Welcome to the Always Hope Podcast, a production of Willwood's Faith and Marriage. I'm your host, Dr. Mario Sacasa, and happy to share this episode with you today. This is part three of my mini-series on dating and discernment. And like the previous two episodes, I'm trying to explore the balance between the theoretical and the practical when it comes to discernment. Because so often the advice that's given errors one way or the other. So in this episode, I target questions surrounding when you should move forward in a relationship and identifying red flags when it is time to call the thing off. Joining me today is Mary Rose Verrett, co-founder of the Witness to Love Marriage Preparation Program, which she developed with her husband, Ryan. I knew she had some wisdom to offer dating couples due to her years of experience preparing people for marriage. Also, I love that their program integrates attachment theory and a Catholic Christian vision of marriage, which if you follow me long enough, you'll know attachment theory is my psychological jam. (laughs) They also have a unique way of approaching the use of mentor couples in marriage preparation. So in this episode, we talk about the needed support structures to help people with the transitions from being single to dating, to being engaged, and then to being married. The difference between sliding versus deciding when moving towards marriage, Uh, the importance of being friends before rushing into a relationship. She also challenges married couples to open their homes to singles, which is hard for us because we're often caught in our little family bubbles. And she encourages dating couples to have the hard conversations before you get engaged. Another great episode for you today, and I pray that it helps you in your discernment. So God bless, and don't forget to share and subscribe to this show. All right, let's do this with Mary Rose Verrett. Mary Rose Verrett, welcome to the Always Hope Podcast. How are you doing today? Thank you for having me, Mario. Fantastic. Now, I know you guys have a lot going on, so I'm very grateful that you're able to squeeze in this interview. Um, I hear that you are very pregnant right now. How, how are you feeling? <laughs> I'm very pregnant. <laughs> We're having a, a baby Monday morning. So, oh, my um, goodness. And, yes. and what number is this for you guys? Number five. Number five. God bless you. That's fantastic. Awesome. And in addition to that, you guys also run a, a pretty busy marriage, I guess, engagement marriage preparation uh, program. So tell me a little bit about Witness to Love. Sure. Well, Witness to Love was founded a little over seven years ago, and it's it was really a response to we were seeing young people, uh, especially young married couples, just totally disconnected from the church. We saw that they could go through marriage preparation without ever actually becoming part of a church community. And that they were trying to live out the sacrament of marriage on a starvation diet, really separate from the Eucharist and confession and community. And, um, you know, the, the divorce rate among Catholics is almost the same as everyone else's. There's maybe a two to three percent difference because most Catholics are unchurched and uh, they are trying to, you know, they're living on this starvation diet. And so um, this was a renewed focus on the importance of community and uh, the sacramental life of the church and really re- having a what has been called a marriage catechumenate, um, a mystagogia, unpacking of the sacrament and living that out. And so it's uh, really renewing the church through relationships and and not having marriage preparation be so much in classrooms and, and offices, but in, in homes and in churches. So, so the backbone of the program great. is is the mentor couple model, from what I yes. understand. Is that right? Correct, but it's it's not the what many people see as a mentor couple model where it's kind of the trained uh, assigned expert mentor couple. This is a a couple that the engaged couple is coached to discern um, in the 
best way that they can, someone whose marriage they admire, uh, someone who they're you know attracted to, they want to spend time with, um, who, who goes to church. Um, and we all know, you know, among our friends, you know, people know who goes to church, even if they don't go to church, they know who goes to church. <laughs> so <laughs> that's not a mystery. Yeah. Um, uh, and they have to have been married five years or more. And so they really walk with their mentor couple. They walk together. Um, and they grow together. So it's a it's a two-for-one formation and evangelization effort for both couples. And that's very, very important that the mentor is not an expert in theology, um, psychology, philosophy. You know, they're, they're an expert in what it means to live out, uh, you know, a beautiful marriage uh, in, in the way that for hundreds and thousands of years that, you know, we, that's how marriage was learned. But in the breakdown in the family, uh, so many couples now have no idea what a healthy marriage looks like. Um, and so we, they need a front row seat for that and go into people's homes and experience that. It's awesome. And not just live in marriage at well abstractly, but in the particulars of the community that's that, that they live in. Um, Correct. An experienced understanding, mm-hmm. not just book knowledge or, or from a podium. You, you can't grow in virtue from behind a podium, <laughs> you know, either in front of a podium or behind a podium, you really have to have be sitting with someone. And, and when you fall, they help you get up and, and, you know, they really push you and inspire you. You can't, uh, that, that can't happen in one day in a classroom or a few nights over a few months. It really has to be, um, throughout a lifetime. Amen. Amen. Now, as a counselor myself who wrote my doctoral dissertation using attachment theory as, as part of my study, I know that that is part of the, the, the um, I guess, part of the catechetical aspect of it, that you guys have this connection with attachment theory in your program. Why did you choose that theory? Well, it's the funniest thing. So we, we didn't start off by choosing that theory. It was really, uh, I would say, desperation and the Holy Spirit <laughs> saying, hey, these couples are getting divorced. What's up with that? And um, in interviewing the couples who got divorced um, and saying, why didn't you reach out to that mentor couple we assigned to you? They were amazing. Why didn't you trust them? They said, we didn't know them. So basically, how could we trust them? And they were so different from us. And we felt like we would be judged. And we realized how important trust was. And so in visiting with uh, Dr. Peter Martin, who uh, is on our board, who who I know you know, um, Mm -hmm. he shared with us, he said, you know, when when someone uh, trusts someone, when they feel connected to them, um, you know, basically miracles are possible, especially, you know, when it comes to virtue and relationships. Mm-hmm. And we we shared with him, we said, well, we realized they didn't trust the mentor that we assigned to them. So we allowed them to choose a mentor. And I said, really, that was just desperation because we, they told us, well, there's someone else we trust and we know. And we thought, why don't we invest in that couple and, and, and form them both together? And there was immediate uh, just a total change. Couples going to church together, asking for help, growing together. And over a three-year period, we saw that the divorce rate uh, had just, there wasn't, there were no divorces for couples who'd been going through this. And the first five years of marriage are, you know, it's the highest divorce rate. That's usually around 25% uh, during the first five years of marriage um, for the, the general population, and then 23% at five years for Catholics. But at the three-year mark, there should have been divorces for, for us, but there weren't. And that's when we reached out to Dr. Peter Martin. We said, something's different. Can you explain to us? The only thing we did was say, choose someone whose marriage you admire, someone you trust. Um, I said, that's it. That, that's all we did. And he said, that's attachment theory. That's what you're doing. He said, when people feel connected and secure, 
they are more able to work on difficult things, go through difficult situations. They're more resilient. They're more open. He said, and and those are all the things that help for a healthy relationship when couples are going through those changes early in their marriage. It's, it's, it's a challenging time. It's a beautiful time, but it's a challenging time. He said, you've given them a secure base to come back to for help that they didn't have before. And that's when we really started to realize the importance of attachment theory and he helped us develop a sort of a virtue program for Witness to Love where couples could grow in virtue and in a secure relationship where they were open and willing to grow. It was just a, a beautiful, profound uh, sort of renewal of what we saw marriage prep as, not as marriage prep, but really as marriage formation. Um, and so it really did change everything. That's amazing. You know, we just said a uh, desperation in the Holy Spirit. I mean, is, isn't that mostly the spiritual <laughs> life right there? Isn't that most of us like, yes. it's like when I'm in moments of desperation, that's when I tend to cry out the most and, and God always kind of comes through. Yes. Um, but it, so the, the, what you're saying here is, is, is really good. Um, I think what people maybe are losing sight of, as I've kind of reflected on some of the numbers that you threw out and, um, and what's kind of going on with our society is maybe and this has been something I've been kind of thinking about here recently, just to, the fact that um, because we're losing our definitions and because we're losing sight of our terms, um, I think people go into marriage now expecting it to be just another step or it just being the same as things were before. Um, and so I, I find that maybe they're just not as prepared for like the gravity of the decision that they're making. Um, and, and I'm not saying that in judgment to anybody. I think it's more of a cultural thing where if we if we've lost sight of what marriage is, um, then we lose sight of what like engagement is. And then we lose sight of what dating is and we lose sight of which is what relationships are in general, um, because it seems like it's all just kind of a wash. It's all kind of the same. Uh, so the, the beauty, I think, in what you're proposing, what you've talked about is like when people come to the realization that that those first five years are a real adjustment. I mean, it is what it is. They're, they're, they're real challenging adjustment as you're having to make decisions about um, who's going to take the forefront, who's going to go in the back, who's, whose career is kind of going to move, move this relationship forward right now and, and who's not. When, when are we going to start having kids and who's going to stay home? I mean, there's, there's real decisions that have to be made um, that, are, that are challenging sometimes because maybe before you were just single and both of you were in school, both of you were in careers together. But at some point, you have to have some real conversations about like, who's going to take care of the kids. And, and so having a mentor couple, having somebody to, to help guide you through some of that, I can, I mean, just thinking about it, I can understand why that would be such a successful model. Oh, and definitely. And I think um, there, there's a whole study that came out that um, talks about, you know, sliding versus deciding uh, when it comes to marriage. And so, um, you know, in, in, in definitely in, in some, you know, segments of the population, there is sort of a, a decision to, date, a decision to be engaged, a decision to marry this particular person. Um, but for, for the majority of the population um, of people, it, there, there's a, a sliding. It's, it's, it's really a, you know, dating is more sort of recreational. And then, um, you know, they kind of, okay, that I'm comfortable with this person. You know, this is the person I'm with. You know, they're, they're sexually active. They Many times uh, they're sexually active before they even know each other's last names. I mean, again, it's just a very recreational view of relationships. And then they, you know, they're they're sharing, you know, an apartment or you know, they're they they just sort of move in together. And then 
you know, the next thing is, well, you know, we're at this point in our relationship, we should probably get married and then they get married. But, and, and I've had couples that I've worked with say this to me the, the, a week before the wedding, they'll say, can you tell me what is going to be different on our wedding day? You know, after our wedding day uh, versus today is what is going to be different? Because right now it feels like not much could be different. And I, I remember just saying, I said, you know what, if you don't actually decide to be married and this isn't just like a next step in your relationship, you know, just moving along through life. I said, maybe it won't be different if you don't decide to, you know, go to confession, to open yourself up to the graces of the sacrament, you know, to receive all that God has for you. It might not be that different. And I think that's where a lot of young people are. Maybe not, you know, maybe not everyone, but many it's, it's, Everybody, you know, you're comfortable in, well, I've been with this person for so long, you know, I'm not going to bring up all the issues we're working on. We're just going to, you know, we're comfortable and I don't want to rock the boat. I don't want to go too deep on some of these thorny issues that we have um, because I don't want to be uncomfortable and start over. And so you kind of push things under the rug and it's really that mentor couple that, that starts to give them the security and the witness and the example to start unpacking some of those thorny issues that they, they've been stuffing because they don't want to rock the boat because this is, is just more of a sliding into marriage. And so that's been very powerful, even, you know, just for great Catholic couples. They, there's this, this sort of this culture of I'm not going to deal with anything that's going to rock the boat because we want to enjoy this time together. And so it's just, it's a very, very important thing to, to, to be in a relationship where you can talk about differences and difficulties and challenges and misunderstandings and, and all of that. And there's just not a lot of room for that right now, um, you know, just in marriage preparation or in, in, in dating in general or, or in being engagement. It's just, it's not, there's not a place to, to grow. Yeah. You know, what, what I hear you saying is almost, it's almost like we need like this pre-marriage prep. I mean, like, <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> you know, so thinking about then dating couples who are listening to the show and maybe considering or thinking about engagement, um, what are things that you would say to those couples? I mean, what, like you've done engagement work now and marriage preparation for a number of years. I'm sure you've heard a lot of stories and have seen a lot of different experiences kind of come through. What do couples who are dating need to be thinking about? Um, prior to even getting engaged? What are the conversations they need to be having that can help form even that, that decision? That's a, I mean, that, that's a great question. And, and I mean, couples are so different, but I would definitely say there's sort of some, some trends and some stories uh, and some couples that stand out for me. And I've been doing marriage preparation since 2006. So it's, it's been a while. And uh, yeah, 13 years, then, good long time. And, Thank you. <laughs> uh, Ryan and I are we're, we're celebrating our tenth wedding anniversary this uh, this April, and uh, you know we we were friends for two years before we even started dating. Um, we were were both just in a in a group of friends. Uh, there were some married couples. There were some single people, dating people, and get, you know just he he lived with a household of guys. I lived with a household of girls. Um, in the same neighborhood, we had uh, priest friends, we had married couple friends, we had just a lot of great uh, friends as part of this church community. It was really kind of centered around the church. And um, 
we would have potluck dinners and we would, you know, sing together, you know, people bring their guitars and we'd go biking and we just, we had so much fun together. And, um, you know, over time, you know, Ryan and I realized that we enjoyed the same things. We loved the same things. We would plan, you know, get togethers and the, you know, only Ryan would show up or only I would show up. And we were like, okay, no one else wants to get up at 6 a.m. and bike and go see the cherry blossoms and bike around D.C. And that we were living in, in the D.C. area at the time. And okay, well, it's just us. Let's go. And, you know, just realizing we enjoy the same things. Um, we we just had we just had so much in common, but it started off with with friendship. And I think that's one of the key things that, you know, in the couples we've got to know over the years is that the importance of community um, where there's single people and married people and, you know, sort of everything in between hanging out together where it's more organic and more natural. And it's more of a community uh, as opposed to, you know, the quote dating scene, Um that there's, it's such an unnatural, <laughs> um, situation to, to have, you know, just have all, you know, it, it just, um, I remember when, when I was running theology on tap for the Dice of Arlington, uh, you know, we'd have like 300 young adults. And I remember one, one young lady telling me, she said, I, I don't like coming to theology on tap. I feel like it's a meat market. <laughs> and I said, Oh my goodness. Catholic singles. Said, yeah. Catholic I singles. Said, That's, That's what horrible. it is. <laughs> And so she just said, she said, can't we have topics geared towards married couples? She said, if there were even just 5% married couples here, she said, I feel like it would change the, the atmosphere and the dynamic. And she was right. We, we did start trying to have some topics that were geared towards having young married couples come and having young married couples giving talks. And it, it did change the dynamic. But so much of the Catholic dating scene or just the dating scene in general is, is, does feel very unnatural and very much like a, you know, quote meat market. And it's, it's really unfortunate because, you know, marriage is beautiful and, and it's, it's such a wonderful time in life to, to be discerning that. And, um, you know, you need to have priests and religious and married couples and you really have to be able to discern and, and the Catholic sort of scene for discernment right now is not conducive to that. So, um, I think the more that that married couples uh, open up their homes and invite everybody, you know, priests, religious, singles, married, everything in between, you know, all different ages and, 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 and have community and fellowship and, you know, wine and uh, meals. And that's really where uh, healthy relationships can start. Not to say that you can't meet somebody online, not to say that, you know, it's all bad. It's just, it's not natural and it's hard to sort through what's real and what's not. And, you know, if you, if you meet someone, let's say you're both working in a city, you, you don't know anyone else there and you're maybe there for work or for school. You don't know this person's family. It takes so long to really get to know a person when you're removed from community. And so being around married couples, I think does help people to be a little more themselves and, um, uh, it, it's just different. And, and, and so I think that that would be the number one suggestion I would have is that don't just hang out with singles. If you're discerning marriage, hang out with married couples because married couples can introduce you to singles who are, um, ready to be married. <laughs> married couples have a really good, is this person really ready for marriage radar, you know, and <laughs> single people don't have that, you know, they're just, you're just having fun. Um, but married couples c can tell like, you know what, this person is not ready for marriage or this, this person is just, this is, this is not going to work out. And so that, that's just, I think a very important piece of it.
I think that's a challenge, not just for single people, but that's a challenge also for married couples to welcome singles into their, their environments as well. Um, because sometimes as married couples, as families, I mean, we just get sucked into the, the world of raising our kids and basketball practices and soccer practices and, and having to be intentional to invite or do events where, where we're having this kind of mix of the states of life. I think it's kind of what you're speaking about there, mm-hmm. where you can do an event where you just have people over for pizza and a movie or something. And you invite father and you invite a couple single people and just have everybody over and make the home an, an environment that, that brings about this uh, crosswalk of, of these various states of life to, to bring them together, just to kind of have an organic meeting and conversation. Absolutely. And, and something that our pastor had shared with us, he said that the, the well, to, a priest shared this with us. He said, the home is a missionary outpost of the local church. And our pastor, Father Michael Delcom, who had helped to start Witness to Love, he said, the doors to so many domestic churches are closed. Mm-hmm. You know, we, we like you said, we're, we're so we're busy bringing our kids to soccer and, you know, t-ball and dance and school events that we forget that our home is our domestic church and it's a missionary outpost of the local church. And so not all events can happen at church. In fact, not all events should happen at a church. You know, the, the home is a place where people can really get to know each other and to sort of relax. And, and uh, I think, you know, we, we've known families that are, you know, missionaries, like literally they take their whole family and go to another country. But before they did that, they were in their home, opening their home and saying, Hey, you know, on Sunday evening, we're going to have, you know, we're going to, our family tithe is we're going to buy, you know, pizza or here in Louisiana, po' boys <laughs> for, uh, or, you know, sort of like a sub sandwich up. We're going to buy shrimp po' boys for everybody. That's our family tithe. We're going to invite, you know, anybody who wants to come, you know, bring a friend, married, single, doesn't matter. We're going to have praise and worship. We're going to share a meal. The kids are going to play. Singles are welcome. Um, and that was their family ministry. And it was so beautiful to see them living it out. Now they're, I think, missionaries in Thailand, but they, you know, in their own community, like you could see them already living that out. And um, there was such a sort of a loss when they left because they were such a hub of uh, just such a, a fun place to go on Sunday afternoons to just connect with other families and meet singles. And, you know, I can't tell you how many uh, engaged couples, when we would ask them in witness love, why did you choose the mentor couple that you chose? They would say, well, you know, the bride babysat for this couple, um, or, you know, that that's so many times the connection, you know, they, they, um, they babysat, they saw the family life. And so, you know, families need singles, not, not, not just for babysitting, but <laughs> to have, uh, to have friends that, you know, you can look at it and just when you're married and you're kind of in the weeds and you're in over your head and you're exhausted and you're burned out and you look back and say, wow, I remember when I was single. I remember when I was discerning. I remember I was yearning so much to be married and to find my vocation. Here I am living my vocation, but I'm exhausted and burned out and overwhelmed. But I look at this young person who's also exhausted, burned out and overwhelmed looking for their vocation. But I have, I found my vocation and and I need to put just as much time into and energy and prayer into living out my vocation now that I found it as this, you know, young single person is trying to find their vocation. Do you see? So it, 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 it just works so many different ways to have these balanced relationships where you're not just hanging out with other families. Um, yes. it's, just, it, it's a ministry, uh, in a, in a very organic way, not, um, 
you know, not, not everything has to be planned. It doesn't have to be an event. Just open up your home, you know, get some food, <laughs> invite people over. Everybody is, uh, there's a, there's a great blog I read once on, uh, about, uh, what was it? Uh, it wasn't rustic hospitality, but it was, uh, it was, it was basically like that you don't have to have, you know, the fine China for, you know, for people to come over, just get some pizza, get, get, get some po' boys, get, you know, get some gumbo here in Louisiana, but like, you don't have to have everything perfect. Like have people in your home. That that's where relationships can really flourish. Man. What a, what a great image you just painted. <laughs> just gave, <laughs> like you got me all like choked up right now. It's beautiful, Mary Rose. Thank you. I mean, the gift in, in, in what you're saying is for single people, then like, don't just hang out with single people, put yourself right. in an environment where you're going to be blessed and encouraged by those who are a few steps ahead of you in letting that kind of be organic. And yes. the same thing for married couples to, to not just get caught in the, you know, rhythm and roll of, of all the stuff that's involved with kids, which is intense. And I get it. I mean, we have four <laughs> ourselves and they're all in different stages. We have a teenager down to a four-year-old. And so everybody's in something, but having to still kind of put your, your eyes on the horizon, so to speak, and, and look beyond just kind of the, the busyness of your own home to invite others into that so that they can see that. And so that mm-hmm. you can be reminded of what, of the gift that you have in remembering yes. that time when you were discerning and struggling with trying to find your vocation. And now that you're actually living it and praising God for, for the gift that's there. This is Dr. Mario, and I hope you are enjoying my conversation with Mary Rose Verrett. When the show is done, please check me out on Facebook or Instagram at Dr. Mario Sacasa. Six months into this whole social media thing, I have to reluctantly admit that I'm actually enjoying it a little bit more than I thought I would. So looking forward to chatting with you and engaging with you on those platforms. Um, for, for couples who are dating though, I want to go back to something you said earlier about sliding versus deciding. Um, how does a couple even know if they are sliding or if they're actually deciding? Like what are, what are some indicators that, that could raise somebody's awareness to say, oh, I need to be a little more intentional with how I'm actually thinking about this relationship. Uh, no, that's a, that's a great question. And, and, uh, I, I had given a theology on tap talk, uh, years ago, this is probably 2004, 2005, uh, um, on an essay by G.K. Chesterton called In Defense of Rash Vows. <laughs> and it's just a really cheeky, witty, short, you know, very much in G.K. Chesterton style essay on you have to know yourself uh, in order to give yourself. And you have to know yourself well enough uh, to make a vow. And a vow, he said, is a, is basically an appointment with yourself in the future, saying, I know myself well enough that, that today I can make this promise uh, that I'm going to be somewhere in the future. I'm going to be married to this person. I'm going to, you know, I choose this. I, ch- I choose it. And I know myself well enough to choose it, to make an appointment with myself in the future. And so I would say like the first step in in really sliding versus deciding is, you can't decide if you don't know yourself. You, you're just going to keep sliding and you're going to, it's basically like a blind person kind of feeling their way in the dark. And that's, that's the way most of us are in relationships. We just, we, we're just kind of navigating blindly saying, well, I don't want this. I want this. I'm not sure what I, you know, it, it's just a very, 
sort of disconcerting, very anxiety inducing uh, attempt to fit, you know, a square peg into a round hole. <laughs> and uh, so when you throw just sort of hormones and pressure and alcohol and, and society and all that kind of into the mix, it's very hard for young people today, you know, separated from community. Maybe their parents weren't a great witness. Uh, maybe their parents were divorced uh, or they weren't happily married, you know, to try to, to say, I know what marriage is. I know what a relationship should look like. I know what a healthy relationship is. And I know myself well enough to make an appointment with myself in the future to be there, to be married, to stay married. And, oh, and I know this other person. And so um, obviously you can't know everything. It's not all, you know, the future is not known. But at the same time, it's that it's commitment. The Really the key thing we're talking about here is commitment. So sliding basically is just going from one thing to the next to the next. So you're not really getting married because you want to be with this person forever. You're getting married because it's the next logical step. And so sliding would be if you're, if you're looking at this relationship and you're saying, you know, I'm comfortable, I I don't want to rock the boat. I just want to, it's more comfortable to be with this person than to really assess the situation and and make a decision that this is the person I want to be with. So, I mean, for for Ryan and I, we were talking before we even started dating about if we started dating, it wouldn't really be dating. It would be just talking about marriage because we already knew each other very well by the time we realized, you know what, I think God might be calling us to marriage. Like it was a very um, sort of clear, like, I think God's calling us to be together uh, and calling us to the sacrament of marriage. But you know, we're not going to, you know, we're not going to just start dating because it's the next thing we want to look at. You know what I mean? It was just more of a conscious, like, let's pray about it. Let's talk about it. How well do we know each other? What do we want in life? Um, so I think that for, for, for young people, even though it might not sound romantic, it's much more romantic to realize, wow, we love the same things. We want the same life. I know myself. I know you. We're being open. Um, you know, let's build a beautiful life together. Is very different from, you know, well, I'm with this person and I'm comfortable and, you know, I find them attractive. And so let's just take the next step. You know, that's, that's not healthy in a relationship. So I say sliding versus deciding. It's about the level of commitment. Um, that you have and, and, and being knowing yourself well enough to make a decision. So it's, it, I'd say the number one red flag is, am I doing this because I'm comfortable? Am I not approaching some of the difficult thornier issues or topics? Uh, am I sort of holding back from having real conversations with this person because I, I don't want to lose them and I'm comfortable in this relationship and I don't want to go looking for someone else. Yeah. That sense of comfort then is, is just that they're, what I hear you saying is it's just that there's some, there's someone there, right? It's better, better just that somebody's there, uh, rather than it really being the right person. Um, and, and I think I can see, you know, how, how couples get into that. Um, but the, the fear of confrontation, you've, you've spoken about that a few times already. Do you, mm-hmm. do you, are you finding that more with younger couples that they're having a harder time really kind of pressing and challenging and, and having those kind of harder questions and conversations with people that they're dating? Oh, absolutely. And, and I think it goes back to what we were talking about earlier about attachment theory that, um, you know, attachment theory basically posits that, you know, if you're secure, if you're, if you feel safe, 
um, and secure in your relationships, just in general in life, um, because of the of the way you were raised, or just having a really solid community uh, or support. If you feel safe, if you feel supported and secure, you're more able to um, be yourself and approach the sort of difficult things in life. You're more resilient, and if you maybe don't feel secure because you didn't have everything, you know, you needed in your home life and environment growing up. You didn't, if you didn't feel safe and supported and secure, um, you become basically kind of more avoidant. And so, and, and I'm sure you, you know all of this. And so if you're avoidant because you don't want to rock the boat because you don't feel secure, well, it's just, a, it's a circle and you can't really commit if you don't feel secure. And so you're avoiding the issues, you're sliding into marriage and then basically it all just kind of erupts. And I've known amazing Catholic couples who, you know, be, you know, courtship and beautiful marriage and, and, and like everything looks perfect. And two weeks after the wedding day, it just all erupts and crumbles because they didn't have con- real conversations before the wedding day because they weren't uh, really approaching the difficult issues. And, and if it wasn't for married couples there to, to listen to them and support them and talk them through it and talk them off the fence, you know, they, they, that those beautiful marriages would have been over in a heartbeat. So it's just so important, uh, for couples to have that secure base so that they can, uh, really confront difficult issues in their relationship. So they don't become, um, you know, little ticking time bombs and, it's just, it's so important to be able to, 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 to know how to have a conversation and to feel secure in that conversation. And it's almost impossible to do that without a married couple you trust and admire kind of walking with you because you don't have the secure base uh, to really stand on in order to have these conversations. So that's, it's really young people that they are just, they, they, they lack that secure place to stand and have these conversations because they, it wasn't part of their life. So when is the time to pop the question? When, when, <laughs> you know, like when, like if a couple's dating and they're thinking about these things in the way that you're talking about, how do you know? What do you, what do you tell somebody when the time's right to actually make the engagement or ask the question and move, make the official step towards that? I would say when you've had these conversations, don't wait until you're uh, engaged to have real conversations. Ha- have the real conversations when you're dating. There's a, a lot less to lose to break off dating someone versus being engaged to someone. But and how do you know? I guess what I'm saying is, how do, how do you know when they're the right one? So you've had all <laughs> these conversations and you're, you've had the difficult, com- you've had them, you've, you enjoy them. Is that enough? Is that enough to, to then say, okay, I'm, I'm ready to move forward. Let's get the ring and, and uh, let's, let's make this thing official. Well, I remember my spiritual director telling me, uh, he said, where there's peace and where there's joy, that's the direction you go. And uh, when, when you're discerning marriage, it, it's, you know, it's a big decision. And so I think for a lot of people, they just you know, you can get really emotional and your thoughts can get a little muddy and you're not sure. But um you know, in quote, you know, G.K. Chesterton's kind of in defense of rash vows. Basically, he's he's jokingly saying, you know, any vow you make is going to be rash, right? I mean, it, it, it's going to take a lot of courage and a lot of just, I'm going to be there in the future. So um, I'd say it's a combination of saying, I know this person, I have peace in this relationship, I have joy in this relationship, and I know myself and I know them well enough to make an appointment with myself in the future that like 
I'm going to be there for them and, and God's going to give me the grace. And so, um, you know, it's, it's different because usually the guy pops the question, not the girl. <laughs> and often the girl knows long before the guy that, that like, this is the one, mm-hmm. um, uh, I think for Ryan and I, I, I knew probably a few years before, <laughs> um, but you know, I, I think it's so, usually one in the couple is, is sort of there ahead of the other in knowing that this is the one. Um, but really they both have to be there in order to, uh, to get engaged. And so, um, you know, if you are dating someone and it feels like this is just going on forever, um, you know, it's sometimes you just, you have to have a conversation, but I would say to, to guys, you know, read GK Chesterton's in defense of rash vows, because, um, you know, you can, I know poor, people who've been engaged for 10 years and it's just not, that's not right. And so I would say, don't get engaged if you're not ready to be married. It's, you know, if you, you don't, don't get engaged just to hold on to someone. And I've seen that as well. Be, being engaged is really the, the, the beautiful time preparing for marriage. And so I, I just think it's, it, it's a, when you're ready to commit, that's when you get engaged. It should never be like a sliding, well, you know, we've been together for so long dating, we should get, get engaged. That's not how it works. Um, if, if you don't have an idea of when the wedding's going to be, it's probably not time to get engaged. Um, you know, when, when you see people get engaged and, and you ask, them, oh my goodness, congratulations, when's the wedding? Oh, we're not sure. Next year, two years, three years? No. <laughs> you know, engagement should not be like that. So um, just really to... When, when you've had conversations about marriage and you're both kind of on the same page, that's, that's when it's time to, to get engaged. So that's the time when, when to get engaged. Now, conversely, when, if a couple is dating or, or is engaged and has been engaged for a long time, uh, what are red flags? What are, what are signs to say, okay, even though you have been sliding and you are engaged uh, and it's in Things are supposedly moving in this direction, but there's some real red flags in this relationship. Like, what what would you tell that couple? If, it's I, okay to call off an engagement. <laughs> it's okay to postpone a wedding. I, we've worked with couples that postponed a wedding. You know, they broke it off. They they waited two years. They broke up. They got back together. It, sometimes people just have to mature. You know, sometimes people are going through things. Sometimes um, it's just such an unhealthy relationship. It needs a reset. Um, there's, we've worked with couples who were engaged and, you know, they broke it off and you, you could just tell there were just so many red flags. And then, you know, three, four five years later, they come back and they're engaged to someone else. And it's an incredible relationship. And you think to yourself, oh my goodness, if they had married that first person that I met, you know, we did marriage prep with, I mean, the people who, we've done marriage prep with people who've broken it off. And then we've done marriage prep for one of them years and years later, um, when it's the right couple, we've also done marriage prep. Um, uh, bef- this was before witness to love where, you know, they were sitting down with their assigned mentor couple and we're thinking, this is not good. But, but when, when somebody's already engaged, it's very hard to talk them, you know, into postponing or, or, or calling off the wedding. And so I remember one couple saying to them, I, you're, I know you're getting married literally in like three days. I, I think this, this is not going to work out. And they said, Oh, we're, we're, we're fairly certain it's not going to work out either, but we've already paid for the wedding. We might as well enjoy the party. And, wow. you know, that that's an extreme wow. example. But I think a lot of times that is sort of deep down the mentality. It's too hard to, to cancel things. So we're just going to keep moving forward. And so I, I would say some red flags are, are what they call stonewalling, where like you start to talk about a topic and the other person just like 
isn't responsive, just like doesn't respond, you know, just shuts it down. Um, uh, Another red flag is just being too invested in the wedding and not necessarily the marriage. Engagement is not time to prepare for a wedding. It's time to prepare for a marriage. And I I know for, for, (laughs) for Ryan and I, I mean, we spent so little time preparing for the wedding. We were so focused on, on the marriage and building a house and, um, on just kind of life together. We, Ryan did most of the wedding planning. I did almost (laughs) nothing. (laughs) And, you know, I trusted him and I'm not a details person and, and he's more into music and aesthetics and, and just all that. I mean, honestly, like we had wedding decorations that were in our car, uh, and we found in our attic, like two years after the wedding that were never put up because we just forgot about it. And we were just so focused on getting married. We forgot about like the wedding day, like details and no one noticed and we had a great time. (laughs) So, um, you know, I, I think that just that is such a huge strain for so many couples is this whole focus on the the wedding day. And so to really, you know, every study shows that the more people you have at your wedding, the less you spend on your wedding day, um, the, the higher your chances of staying married. Um, yeah. It's better to spend money on your honeymoon. Uh, it's, it's better, you know, there's other places to spend the money, but not necessarily on all the trappings. Yeah, I think to that point right there, people forget that. I, I just read this study that said exactly that, um, that said that there's a, there's an inverse relationship between the amount spent on the wedding and on the engagement ring and then the duration of the marriage itself. Correct. Yes, absolutely. And so the, the more your focus is on, uh, really the marriage and the community that you're a part of and the families that you're a part of and not so much on the decorations and the, the food and the, it just, no, I mean, I don't remember what I ate at anyone's wedding ever. I don't remember what the wedding cake looked like, vaguely remember what the dress looked like, no idea what the bridesmaid's dress colors are. Now, again, maybe I'm not the details person, but the only time people really notice that stuff is when they're about to get married and they're kind of like taking notes. And you know what? It's not worth spending $30,000 so somebody who's getting married in a year can take notes from your wedding. <laughs> it's just not worth it. So, so focus on the main things, focus on the relationship, focus on God, focus on making sure that you have peace and joy in this relationship and trusting the organic process. I think that's something that you've said throughout this interview that, I, that I'm, that I'm holding on to. And I hope that people can really listen to is that trust that things are going to unfold in a certain way. And you have to be able to have certain confidence within your own capacity to discern well in your own capacity to be able to hear and understand how God works within your life and then how to bring that into a, a mutual relationship. So if, if a man and a woman are, are both mutually discerning and trusting and, and having the tough questions, but as they continue to move forward and take those next steps intentionally and they continue to feel peace and joy all the way through, then that's a good indication that you're heading in the right direction and keep going all the way to the altar. Absolutely. And, and, but to do all of that in the context of community and being with, with really married couples who can uh, encourage you and, and be like, you know, Hey, wait a minute. No, 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 no. You shouldn't be comfortable with this. This is not something that's okay. You know, again, married couples can, can cut to the, you know, the, the, the chase a lot quicker and, and say, Hey, you can't talk like that, or you can't do that, or you can't like, that's not okay. We did that 
that was a big, big problem. Like, don't do this. And so, you know, dating couples, engaged couples do tend to isolate a lot because they're so kind of in, in, uh, la la land and then in, in their happy place. And, and again, not wanting to talk about the difficult things, but it, it's a real sort of, uh, beautiful being brought back to reality when you're with married couples while you're dating and while you're engaged, because you say, you see the, wow, okay, this is what, this is us in, you know, three years or five years or 10 years. You know, this is what we're working towards. And this is the reality of life in, in all of its, uh, you know, uh, bumps and bruises and, and in all of its beauty and all of its glory. And so, um, again, it's a, it's a, it gives engaged couples something to talk about. Hey, we were with this family. You know, did you notice this? Did you see this? What did you think about this? You know, when he said this to her, like, you know, just again, like it gives them a, a real window into what life is like. And so, you know, what would you have done in that situation, you know, and, and, and to be able to talk, well, you know what I mean? It's, it's just, they, they need that real lived example, uh, to, to give them a taste of what life might be like and have conversations about, you know, those situations and expectations. Thanks. Awesome. Wow. Well, Mary Rose, I've certainly enjoyed our conversation. Uh, thanks so much for sharing all the wisdom that, that you have uh, brought to the table here. This is just amazing. So just a couple final questions that, that I ask all my guests. Um, if people are listening to this and they're really connecting with you and, and what you have to say, uh, where can they go to get some more information? What, what do you have to plug um, so that they can access more of this, this wisdom and this knowledge that you have about dating and engagement? Well, we have uh, our website is witness2love.org, witness2love.org. So there's, there's a lot of resources, interviews, articles, podcast interviews, and things that we've done. Um, there is also an article out by the Federalist um, that's sort of on us, this topic that you can find um, on their website or on our website. Um, we have a Facebook page that we're constantly sharing articles on relationships and dating and marriage as well. Um, and then we have a book out uh, called Witness to Love, uh, helping the next generation of marriages survive and thrive. And really, there's so much in that book on dating and relationships uh, as well. And so, uh, and you can, you know, a lot of engaged couples do, uh, even if their parish doesn't offer Witness to Love, they go to our website, they get the information, they give it to their pastor, and they say, hey, I want to do this. And so that's how Witness to Love gets into a lot of parishes, is really engaged couples saying, I really want to do this. I need to do this. And you know, father, can, can we do this at, you know, for our marriage prep? And, uh, so there, the whole virtue formation, the mentoring accompaniment, everything we've talked about, you know, is a resource that any engaged couple can use as part of their marriage formation. Praise God. Praise God. All right. Uh, Mary Rose, what gives you hope? <laughs> uh, what gives us hope is, is that the, the parishes and couples that we've been working with, we just see the, the beautiful community and the fruits and the, the stories that we hear um, just all over the country uh, and, and even in parts of the country that you would never expect uh, to be flourishing, um, where these couples are going to church, they're with their mentors. Five years later, they're still going to church together. Um, their, their kids are hanging out together and just, just seeing couples who you you knew they probably would have a lot of struggles. They, they Maybe they wouldn't have made it, but you just see them flourishing and growing and just beautiful marriages. And so uh, in today's culture, it just it gives us so much hope to see these beautiful communities and families springing up all over the country where they're living out their marriages intentionally. Uh, there's, it's a sacrament and they're really witnesses of God's love in the world. And so 
Um, it's, just, it's just beautiful to see that renewal. And so there's so so much good that's going on in marriage and family that um, isn't in the news. So definitely a lot to be grateful for and a lot of hope. Amen. Amen. Well, thank you so much for joining me on the podcast. I've deeply appreciated the conversation and uh, God bless you as the, as the, the labor delivery day is, is coming soon. (laughs) (laughs) Thank you so much. And thank you for having me. Really enjoyed this conversation. Amen. All right. Okay. Another episode is in the books. Stay tuned for my last episode of this mini-series, where I turn the attention to the importance of prayer in marriage. Joining me on that conversation is my faith in marriage comrade, Jason Angelette. He's great. You're going to love this episode. So now that this episode is done and you don't know what else to do, well, head on over to faithinmarriage.org backslash always hope to read one of my awesome blog posts about life, relationships, or culture. God bless and be good.